choir today. I started to pursue this morning a statement Brother Byron made about, I, if I quote him exactly right, it looks a little odd, but then it occurred to me that those of you in the choir might think things looked a little odd this way too, since you were seeing the front end instead of the back end. But it is good on occasion to, uh, for you to be there for we have an opportunity to uh, look at each other. The praises of the Christian life is one of the great and wonderful and sweet fragrances that we can present to the throne of Christ. The Christian life is the most wonderful thing in all the world. Nothing can stand alongside it. Nothing can be equated with it. The Christian life is unique. When I was a freshman here at Union, Mrs. Helen Blythe was my English teacher. And I wrote for her in that freshman English class a magnificent paper. It was outstanding. She gave me a good grade on it. I won't tell you what it was, but she did. She gave me a good grade, but she used a big red pencil marker around a couple of words and wrote in big red letters out in the margin of that beautiful paper that I had written because I had said in that wonderful paper that something was the most unique of its kind. Now that made good sense to me. She circled that in big, a big red circle and over, drew a line over to the margin and she wrote, Ralph, a thing is either unique or it is not unique, there are no degrees of uniqueness. I don't remember a whole lot of other things along the way, but I remember that. And so you cannot say that the Christian life is one of the most unique experiences. I think, no, it's either unique or it's not. And it is. The Christian life is a sweet praise to God himself to speak praise to live praise is the joy of the Christian experience the Old Testament is absolutely full of many many expressions that we call Technically, the doxologies, the praises to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. The psalm. Why, if you tried to pick out just one or two of the psalms that would exemplify praise unto God, you couldn't do it because the entire psalm hymn book is a book of praise calling us to a, a thousand different reasons, literally, as to why we should praise God. 
The New Testament is built out of that account of the life of our Savior and the Gospels and then the letters that were written and then the greatness and the grandness of the Revelation, all written as a tremendous statement of praise to God for what God was doing in the midst of his creation, for praise, praise to God for who he is. All of us in this room pray. I'm certain that we pray fairly often. We pray several times a day, consciously. We go to God in prayer. And that's a wonderful thing. The praying life, when we go to God, and with that list of things that we want to thank Him for, and we give praise for those evidences of his grace and his love, his gifts to us. The little children learn to say thank you at the table. And it's always a joy and a delight when any one of my little grandchildren are praying. They pray with their eyes open at the table. You know, you all know how that is. Sometimes they're a little slow in getting started. And then they begin to look around and thank you for the food, thank you for the banana, thank you for the water, thank you for mommy, thank you for, for, for granddaddy, thank you for the, for the napkin, thank you. And, you know, and you kind of sit there and you... Say, well, come on, get on with it. The food's getting cold. And then you have to say, no, praise the Lord for all his wonderful, wonderful gifts. Maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that, that we need always to have that spirit of the little child about us, something of wonder, something of awe. As we get older, we do tend to take so many things for granted. It's wonderful to thank him for those specific and wonderful gifts. But even more than that, we need to go to the Lord real often and just thank Him for Himself. Not necessarily for the things that He has given us, not for the blessings that He has poured upon us, though we ought to do those things, but there are times that we need to go to the Lord and simply praise Him because He is God and He is worthy of all our praise. The hymns, the hymns that we have sung tonight, if we would go back through and sing them again in the light of praise to Him, it's absolutely marvelous. You see how the hymn writers have captured the essence of praising him. And so it is then that we come to think of the Christian life in its totality, many faceted. In the totality of our lives, we have opportunity every moment of life to be living expressions of praise, the praise to God of the Christian life. Paul 
in concluding that marvelous letter to the Romans comes to the very end of that fabulous letter and he ends it this way, 16th chapter and beginning at the 25th verse. Now unto him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful expression of praise coming out of what? First, Paul says an established life. There can be no praise ultimately for God if our life is wishy-washy, if our life is so fragile and so weak as Christians that we are, as the Bible says, blown about by every wind of doctrine. It is a great tragedy that though we count some 14 plus million people on the records as members of Southern Baptist churches, we can't locate around 5 million of them. Once in a church somewhere, once made a profession of faith, once walked an aisle, once went through the waters of baptism, but something happened along the way. And over five million folks who are carried on Southern Baptist church rolls can't be located. That's bigger than most of the other denominations, that five million figure in the United States. Now that's a tragedy. And what happens? What caused that to come about? It's the fact that along the way, here were individuals whose lives were not established. And the joy of the Christian life and in Christian fellowship. We need to spend a great deal of time and effort and energy and prayer in the matter of urging many of the people of Jackson to come into this church, make a profession of faith, accept Jesus as Savior, follow him in baptism and come into the fellowship of the church. But listen to me, we need to spend an equal amount of time in establishing them. One of the great sorrows that I have seen come about through my own ministry in just the, for me, what has been a very fast and fleeting time of four decades of ministry has to see the decline of church training. Now, I'm a Sunday school man, have been, believe in it. But where we have strength of church training in churches, there the church is bigger and the church is stronger and leadership better trained and more folks involved in the fellowship, the established life. We need to spend a great deal of time 
then in the developing, developing each other in the joys of the Christian life. Paul was concerned as he wrote to these Roman Christians about his converts. He was concerned about them as to whether or not they would stick, whether or not when the times got rough they'd stand by the stuff. And that's the reason he wrote in the conclusion of that letter, now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. So there is the praise of the established life. Here's the results of preaching. This is the result of good teaching and good study. It is that there is obedience in the life of the believer. Amid all the disorder and amidst all the confusion that exists in our workaday world, in the midst of all of that, God's presence orders our life and establishes us. God gives us that steady certainty. Regardless of the winds that blow about us, regardless of the reverses, regardless of anything, the hurts and the crises or the temptations that press on every one of us. There is praise to God that comes out of an established Christian life. Solid. As I said this morning, face right. Heading in the right direction. Doing the right things. Thinking the right thoughts. There's praise to God comes out of the life that is established. There's praise to God that comes out of the life that, that constantly becomes richer and fuller in him. Again, we're indebted to Paul. The third chapter of the Ephesian letter, this is what he said to the Ephesian folk. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Mm. In the totality of everything you have ever asked God for, if there could be such a thing as a heavenly video playback, you to sit in front of your television set and to look at yourself and to hear yourself in every prayer request you've ever made to God. It would be something. And Paul said, now to him who is able to do more, immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and forever. Amen. I can just see Paul as he's writing these words and stirred up with the power and the enthusiasm of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Here is what he's saying to those Ephesians and what he says to us right here in Jackson, Tennessee, that this is the mighty life of prayer. It is the enriched life. Those of us who are Christians are children of the King.
through the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God, we have been allowed to become a brother or a sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are then prince and princess in the realm. And all too often, on too many days of all our lives, we live like beggars and we live like paupers when we're the children of the king. What's the key? The key is faith. Very difficult to define faith, to give a definition that sticks in every way. But faith is that key from the beginning of our Christian life to the ending of our life, Christian life on this earth and the unfolding then in all the glories that God has prepared for those who belong to him. Faith is the key. Faith is the victory. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, we cannot live the enriched Christian life. And if our life does not become richer day by day as a Christian, then, then we will find that our praise will dry up and that our lives will not be a testimony to the power of God, but a testimony to our own lack of faith. Faith. How different any one of our lives might have been if at crucial moments in our lives we had had the good sense and the spirituality to make decisions on the basis of faith in the richness of God. But all too often we have said, no, better not risk it. Better not take a chance. No, better do the safe and the comfortable thing. Most of us practice our stewardship in the safe zone. Very little faith, really giving, knowing that God will not let us outgive Him. All of us in the room could be so much taller, could weigh so much more in God's scales if we just exercised more faith. Now, if that's true for you and for me as an individual, oh my goodness, how true that is for us as a fellowship of people in a church. If we only make our decisions on the basis of what we can put into the computer or what the, what the calculator will tell us, if we only make our decisions in the terms of where we make our investment financially within the life of the church 
as a church. If it's all down and cut and dried and pure business and nothing else, we miss the joy of the church that lives tall and strong and faith of a people as the key to the praises of an enriched life. There's no reason in the whole wide world for any one of us to live poor and little and stingy lives, for we have all the wealth of God at our disposal. Now I know it is, it seems like you can't get a hold of it sometimes. Like the fellow said, Lord, I know that you own all the hills and all the cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, I don't want them all, just slaughter one or two for me. But he does have, and he does own, and he does have the title to all the hills and all the valleys and all the cattle and all the sheep and all the goats. And he has resource available at his fingertip that he will make available to you as an individual and to you collectively as a church. But the secret of tapping to the richness of God is the amount of faith. And it's only when we're willing to step out in faith to do something that is bigger than we're capable of doing by ourselves. If only if the only thing you ever do in your Christian life is that which you personally, physically, emotionally, and academically are prepared to do, you, then you never live beyond yourself. Do you see that? It is then when by faith we recognize our weakness, we recognize our deficiency, and we say to God, give me of the richness that you have promised that I can live outside and beyond my own native abilities and that I can be stronger than my own natural strength and that I can be wiser than the things I've studied in books. The richness. You see, the Christian life is a life to be lived in its richness. Oh, how we shut the door so often on God and say to God, maybe not in words, but in our attitudes and in our dealings, God, because the richness of God is available as we open the doors of opportunity to let God speak to let God touch us, to let God deal with us. As I talked this morning about priorities, and I hope you're working on your list, that in the list of priorities, it is to be available to God. Paul said, there is a power that comes out of being established and firm in the faith. There is a power and praise to God that comes in living out of the richness of God, not out of the poverty of our own lives. The Christian life is a life that's richer than others. 
When you think of the possibilities of the life in Christ, the opportunity that's ours to be able to communicate with God, the fulfillment for life itself, the fellowship of a loving church. All others must stop at life's basic problem, but Christ goes beyond life's basic problems, solving them for us when we let him. The Christian handles fabulous wealth. We have spiritual resources. And when we have faith in God that grows, that's stronger today than it was yesterday, and out of study and prayer, we pray that it would be stronger tomorrow than it is today, then faith allows us to plug in to the vast resources of God. the praises of the established life, the praise to God of the life that is richer because we live in Christ, and praise to God out of our Christian lives because we live in the power that he gives us. In that little one-chapter letter, Next to the last book of the Bible, Jude. Jude tells us in that 20th, in the 24th and 25th verses, his closing doxology. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. The praise of the Christian life is the life that is established They came to Jesus and talking about John the Baptist and John and Jesus said, well, what did you expect to see? A reed shaken by the wind? There was that established life. When ours is established in the word of God and in our faith in Jesus Christ, out of the establishment of our life, God gets praise and honor out of our rich lives living richly in God's created world with all the richness of the Christian experience we then give him praise because our lives are different from other lives because we have power that other people don't know anything about. In the crisis moment, the Christian, saddened and hurting like anybody else, lays hold to a power that goes beyond understanding. 
in the times of sickness, in the times of sorrow, in the times of tragedy, in the times of hurting, the Christian lays hold to a power that the non-Christian can't even understand. You see, when then we live our lives individually, one by one, collectively as a church, we are able to meet whatever comes down the road because ours is a supply of power that goes beyond anything that we can define. Here is God's promise. And here is God's available help to every one of us. Power to stand in today's evil world. Sometimes there are Christian folks who forget who the enemy is. Great sorrow and sadness across our denomination when Christian brothers say ugly things about other Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Arguing and bickering on this or that or the other. Forgetting that there is a war to be fought not against our Christian brothers and sisters, but rather against the devil himself and all the powers of evil. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we have the power to resist the devil and the power of discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. Know that which is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, power to live for Christ, power to be a witness. And we can live in that joy and that knowledge that God is willing to help and God is able to help. And for that, we praise him both with our words and with our attitudes, and with the expression on our face, and we give him praise. So the question, are you firmly and fully and solidly established in Christ Jesus by your personal faith in him? Are you living day by day writing checks on God's bank in faith, drawing out of the richness of God's provision. Don't live little, cheap lives, for you're the daughter and you're the son of a king, the king. Do you have power? Power. The key to it all is faith. And in the exercise of faith, we have praise. Praise to him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's sing together hymn number 312.